Hi, I'm Douglas Haynes, your Monday host of A Public Affair. We love creating this public space for in-depth conversations about education, ecology, food, and so much more. To keep these conversations going, we need your support. Go to wortfm.org slash donate. Thank you. Six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency radio. Welcome to a public affair. I'm your Monday host, Douglas Haynes. When my guest, Karen Hinton Robinson, learned that her daughter wouldn't be taught black history in elementary school, she decided to use her quilt making talent to create a tapestry of African Americans' contributions to U.S. history. Robinson has used this quilt and others for more than 20 years to teach black history across the U.S. Her exhibit, Quilted Education Presents, a celebration of black history, is featured in the upcoming 19th annual Great Wisconsin Quilt Show on September 7th through 9th at the Alliant Energy Center in Madison, sponsored by PBS Wisconsin and Nancy Zeman Productions. You can also find Karen Hinton Robinson and her work featured on the PBS documentary, Quilted Education. Later on today's show, we'll be joined by Deanna Springer, Vice President of Marketing at Nancy Zeman Productions, a presenting partner of the Great Wisconsin Quilt Show with PBS Wisconsin, and operator of Nancy Zeman's sewing studio in Beaver Dam. But first, we have Karen Hinton Robinson. She's a retired Air Force, excuse me, she's an Air Force veteran and registered nurse living in San Antonio and a master quilter. Welcome to A Public Affair, Karen. I'm so glad you could join us today. Thank you. Hi, I'm glad to be here. And welcome listeners. Today's show previews the upcoming Great Wisconsin Quilt Show on September 7th through 9th. I'm talking with the creator of one of the show's feature exhibits, Karen Hinton Robinson, about how fiber arts can be a tool for representing black history. If you have a question or would like to share a quilting story, please do give us a call at 608-256-2001, extension 9. You can also tweet us at WRT Talk or message a public affair on Facebook. So, Karen, first of all, you have a, a fascinating story and life journey with fiber arts and quilting. Tell us about what led you to quilting and becoming this uh, icon of teaching through through quilting. Uh, tell us your story. Uh, okay. Hi. Uh, well, actually, I began sewing at a very early age, just watching my mother sew. And then um, back during my time, we had, uh, in junior high school, we had um, FHA, Future Homemakers of America. And that's where I really learned um, the detail of sewing, and it, it was a creative outlet for myself and uh, for my family. And what I ended up doing is I won the award, which uh, the gift was six weeks of sewing lessons uh, with adults. And so it's what? 12, 13, 14 years old, I started taking classes with adults during the summer, and everything just opened up for me. Um, I really learned the detail, the importance of, um, it was sewing at the time, so I ended up making lots of clothes, um, garments for myself, family, friends, um, eventually bridesmaids' dresses and things like that. Um, and I couldn't wait to have to get married and have a daughter because I had all these ideas of fancy dresses that I was going to make. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> well, my first child was a boy, and so uh, he was 
not interested. And uh, although I did make him a few things, but when we had our daughter, um, I couldn't wait. So I started making her little fancy dresses. Back then, they were called Daisy Kingdom dresses. They had the petticoats, the the, uh, fancy collars and fancy sleeves and just all of that. So initially, she enjoyed it. She she liked um, being made over, and then she got to be about 12 or 13, and she just didn't go for it anymore. She didn't like all the fancy collars and sleeves. And so I knew I had to find a different avenue for my creativity. And I think I was I was in the Air Force at the time, and um, one of my chief nurse um, chief nurses was uh, sewing, and she was sewing by hand, doing appliques, and she was making a quilt uh, for a family. And I became interested. And back then there was no internet and no computer, so there was. TV, and so I interestingly started watching Nancy Zeman, and that's uh, that's why this is all so surreal, but I started watching and bought books and um, slowly taught myself how to quilt, and that's how I just kind of changed from apparel to quilting. Yeah, and so the quilting came about, you're saying, uh, in part through watching the Sewing with Nancy show on, on PBS? Oh, yes. Because <laughs> I used to watch uh, uh, Nancy for apparel, for making clothing. But when I switched from apparel to quilting, there were quilting classes, and she would have different people on as well, interviewing them. So learning techniques and uh, different quilt squares and things like that. So that, that really helped. And tell us then what led to this switch to making or progression to making quilts about black history? So uh, same daughter, uh, about the fourth grade. Uh, I, My mother, just to back up a little bit, my sure. mother was a teacher and an elementary school principal, so I always pretended that I was a teacher growing up. But I enjoyed teaching, and so I would teach. I taught my children um, black history and art, at home, and um, so my daughter was used to learning something uh, about black history in school, and she had this one particular teacher who seemed to be struggling with it, and she came home and asked me if I could share some of my books uh, with the t- with that teacher, and I did, but um, nothing happened. So she was she was upset, and I could tell she was upset, and so I decided to create um, a quilt that had uh, black uh, people on it, and we could use that to teach. And I had no idea that it would turn into what it did, but that was the original idea. And I also wanted her to participate in the research, and it actually took a year uh, for us to narrow it down and get everything just so. And then the next year, uh, which was fifth grade, she had a teacher who was very interested. So I began, that's when I began sharing it at the schools, and then I followed my daughter through middle school. And um, once she got into middle school, there were actually um, a husband and wife history teachers there, and they created um, a history um, event that we had on a Saturday, and it was myself, Native Americans, Buffalo soldiers. It was just a lot of different cultures. But that's how it started. The, uh, they used to call me the quilt lady and just sharing the quilts at schools and churches and libraries and things like that. And this was there in San Antonio? 
where yes, you are in now? San Antonio. Yeah. Yes, uh, yes. It was about I think it was 2002 when I finished the quilt, and then from there on, it has continued. What a great way to get uh, your daughter involved in experiential education. Like you said, she was researching with you the figures that went into that first quilt. Tell us a little bit more about that process. What did you discover uh, about African-American history as you were researching that first quilt? And how did you and your daughter go about deciding who was going to be featured on it? That was a that was difficult. Um, what I what I started out doing was I decided to have categories, and um, because I kept finding out so much information, and then I would go deep and start researching and just forget about the quilt. So I ended up with uh, eight categories, and those categories were sports, military, civil rights, um, scientists and inventors, political leaders, performing arts performance and literature, and I believe um, the last category was like first because I, I couldn't, I, that was just the last category. Mm-hmm. And um, narrowing it down was difficult because first it was going to be five and then it ended up being eight for each category, and that was like way more than I had anticipated. So I had to just focus on what I wanted to do was to share names and uh, information that many people did not know, including myself. And then uh, I did include a few people that people were aware of, but I wanted to to share things that people didn't, didn't really know about. And um, one interesting thing that I learned, my maiden name is Hinton, and I discovered a physician by the name of Dr. Um, Augustus William Hinton, and the photo of him looked very similar to my father's father, and um, so you know I went down that went down that genetic line, um, but I couldn't find out anything. But that was interesting, and he was um, one of the first black professors at the Harvard Medical School. He was a physician that discovered the Hinton test, which is a syphilis test, mm-hmm. and that was that was really interesting. Um, and then being a veteran, um, I was an Air Force officer and a nurse in the Air Force. I found out a lot of things about um, the participation of African Americans in um, the World War II, everything before World War II, when things were segregated. Um, and that was interesting. So I learned a lot myself, and my daughter learned a lot. And um, I just would encourage people to do their own research because a lot is left out of, of the history books. And there are some Buffalo Soldiers on there as well, and and you have a, a connection with Buffalo Soldiers as well. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Is that on that quilt or a different one? It's it's on both. Uh, yes, a gentleman at my church, uh, I attend Grace First Baptist Church in San Antonio, a gentleman at my church was a member of the Buffalo Soldiers San Antonio, and he was um, he participated in most of the um, events with me, and he bought uh, his gear and his story about the Buffalo Soldiers, so he helped to share, and it was really interactive, some of the things that he shared with the kids about the Buffalo Soldiers. So that was my connection um, there. Yeah, and um, that that made it really, because he came with his, his attire dressed in his, his uniform. Yeah, amazing. So you had this beautiful artistic representation of the many figures in African-American history, and then you had somebody there on the spot to tell 
kids about it firsthand as well. Absolutely. Really interactive. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you were just talking about family history as well. And I know you have this really beautiful quilt that you made subsequently after this first one, right? Uh, I'll let you take it from there, but um, yeah. you, you developed a whole series of historical quilts, and one of them was Ellison's Family History, but I'll, I'll let you tell the story of how one quilt led okay. to another, and you can lead us to Ellison's Family History. Okay, so the first uh, quilt that we were just talking about had the eight categories, and one of the things that uh, I was really inspired after making the first quilt was there was so much information that I didn't know as a veteran about the military. And so the military got its own quilt. And uh, I spent <laughs> a lot of time in the library um, researching that one because um, I ended up, the title of that second quilt was uh, a celebration of the Negro soldier from the American Revolution to World War II because um, black people were called, you know, obviously different names. And so during that time, it was Negro. And so I wanted to have an authentic name. And um, the significance of that time frame was um, the military was actually segregated. So even though um, black soldiers fought for the country and, um, you know, overseas in Europe and in, um, different places, they still were treated differently and in a segregated service. And so um, that was the part of history that I didn't know very much about. I knew about the Buffalo Soldiers. I knew about the Tuskegee Airmen. And that was pretty much it. And interestingly enough, I am originally from North Carolina. My father was in the Army. And we he retired here um, in Fayetteville, North Carolina, which is home of the 82nd Airborne. And... I didn't know, <laughs> I had no idea about um, the, the um, involvement of the blacks in that, uh, at, at that base or even in the 82nd Airborne. So that quilt, and I, I can't wait for people to see that um, because that quilt um, actually inspired a play <laughs> oh, wow. uh, at my church. Yeah, my, um, my church, because it's in San Antonio, and San Antonio has several military bases. A lot of people from my church are retired military. And so we got together and actually used that quilt as the, um, the um, kind of, it kind of encouraged us to create a short um, play. And um, we dressed up in our uniforms. So the, those of us who could still fit um, <laughs> wore our uniforms and presented a play, and that's how that quilt came about, um, the um, celebration of the Negro soldier. And then my daughter um, attended the University of Texas in, in uh, Austin, and she majored in advertising. That was not her original major, but that's what she changed to. And, you know, I grew up in a time where you were doctor, lawyer, teacher, that kind of thing, and I really didn't know anything about advertising. And I just wanted to make sure she had a career that she would find a job. So I began researching advertising and stumbled on um, a lady by the name of Nancy Green. And um, to my surprise, Nancy Green was a real person, and we know her as Aunt Jemima. Um, and Aunt Jemima you know, on the pancake syrup and all of that. She was a real model and uh, what they considered a corporate model. But um, I, that was very interesting to me. 
And so I made a whole quilt <laughs> about Aunt Jemima. But it was really um, the symbol because before all of this, I used to actually co collect Aunt Jemima um, napkin holders and different things. So I had a whole collection of Aunt Jemima um, items. And so the quilt is just different pictures of Aunt Jemima, appliques of Aunt Jemima. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, for all of you listening, you can find images of these quilts if you uh, Google PBS uh, Quilted Education. There's a documentary about Karen Hinton Robinson and her work. Um, there's also a long-form interview with her there where there are images of many of these quilts that she's telling the stories of today. You're listening to A Public Affair on WRT 89.9 FM. My name is Douglas Haynes, and I'm talking today with quilter Karen Hinton Robinson about how fiber arts can be a tool for representing black history. She is a featured exhibitor at the upcoming uh, Great Wisconsin Quilt Show on September 7th through 9th at the Allied Energy Center in Madison. Her exhibit, Quilted Education Presents, a Celebration of Black History, again, will be one of the featured exhibits there. If you have a question for Karen or would like to share a quilting story or experience, please do give us a call at 608-256-2001, extension 9. That's 608-256-2001, extension 9. We'd love to hear from you. So, Karen, thanks so much for that great explanation of these uh, first few quilts that you did focused on uh, African-American history. And speaking of history, then you dove into family history a little bit. And uh, <laughs> the story of Ellison's family history quilt is fascinating as well and it intersects with so many things like the history of uh, family reunions in African-American culture that is so important. So tell us more about that. Yes. So my my mother, uh, Verda Hinton, uh, Verda Ellison Hinton, her the family is Ellison. They have an extensive family uh, reunion and have had that since, I want to say, in the 70s, I've just, which has always attended. Um, but actually, they are um, great, great cousins, I believe. So um, we were taught very little that when we, when we spoke, like if we were at the family reunion and we were going to say something or give a little speech, we were taught we had to say our... Um, our heritage, we had to say. So I would say I am the daughter of Verda, daughter of Verda and Wilmer Hinton, Ellison Hinton, the great granddaughter of Atrus and Amanda Ellison, the great great granddaughter of Harry and Sally Ellison, and the great 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 daughter of um, Willis and Dolly. And so we just learned, and so you just learned that. That was just something you learned. So um, I believe one of my cousins had a photo. Um, commissioned of our great-great-great-grandparents. And they had that photo revealed at one of the reunions, and it just, I just thought, oh, I should make a quilt. And at that time, I was learning how to make uh, photo quilts, um, not just take a picture, but actually take the photo and then make pieces, use fabric and pieces to create um, the photo. And so that's what I started doing. And then I just began to add things. I wanted to put where we came from, as far as we know, Bladen County, North Carolina, uh, the King Plantation, and I put that on there. And I knew that my um, great-great-great-grandmother uh, delivered babies. She was a, um, a midwife, 
and my uh, great 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 grandfather drove uh, horses, a stagecoach, or whatever whatever they called it. So I just added little pieces to it, and I just um, focused on all of the children, all the great 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 grandchildren. And so you could see on the quilt the, from the tree each um, each child had a leaf, and so. At the reunion, people would have to say what leaf they came from and uh, follow their lineage all the way back. And it just became it became a lot of fun. It actually be, be, um, became competitive because then we would an- announce at the reunion how many people attended from different lineages. So I was from the lineage of Harry. How many attended from Harry? And, and so it, we began to compete about attendance and that type of thing. But... Um, it was it was really fun creating their faces and the clothes that they had on on this on this photo. It was a little challenging at first, but um, it it came out okay. <laughs> it sounds like that quilt and the others you've described really became uh, real producers of conversation. Like that, they provoked strong reactions in people and and created a, a personal connection for many people. What is it you think makes quilts such a engaging form of public history storytelling? What what helps people connect about quilts? I think it's 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 living history. Um, I think of I, I I make quilts for military retirees and uh, one of the last quilts I made for a gentleman um, we were talking about what to put on it. And one of the things I told them, I said, I want you to sit down and write your story because this quilt will be here when you're gone. And I want you to share what, you, what you're what you not going to be able to say to your great, 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 great grandchild or something or, or a relative mm-hmm. that you may never meet. And so I had him write a little story and then um, I transferred it to fabric and put that on the back of it. But of course the front shared his accomplishments um, you know, the the um, different bases that he attended, uh, his rank as he rose in rank. Um, but I think it's important because if we don't, if, if we don't leave our history, if our history is not there for our children, then, you know, what what will they, they won't know. And I, I think for me to run across something about my great, great, great grandparent that I never knew, it just makes me closer to them. It makes me uh, I mean, I'm a nurse, and just think, my great 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 grandmother delivered babies. So that just, it just, you know, it's exciting. Yeah, and it sounds like uh, there's a lot of interaction then that goes into making these quilts. It's not this kind of solitary process. You're just describing interviewing somebody or having somebody tell their story. You're talking about re- doing research with your daughter. Um, can mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit more about um, some of the interactions that pop up in people looking at your quilts or talking with you about your quilts? Any Anything come to mind in particular that has made a mark on you about how people react to them? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, um, names or uh, dates or like, you know, how when you actually look at the date that my great-great-grandparents lived, it just kind of like, wow, that was a long time ago. Um, um, occupations, things that they did, um, certain colors, because when I make a quilt for, a, a memory quilt for someone, if they have specific colors, I usually ask them, you know, well, what's, what's, what's unique about your loved one? 
And that's something that people can see in the quilt as you're talking about it. They can they can share that that color meant you know something specific to that person. Um, also, if you use photos, you can see resemblances some resemblances sometimes pass passing down through generations, uh, and that's that's amazing. And and children, they don't really see past yesterday, mm-hmm. <laughs> so for them to sit down and really think about you know this was a loved one that lived some time ago, and this is something you can share about them it's they they really get excited about it and tell us a little bit more about your creative process for making a quilt and how you choose the materials um you've mentioned a few things as you've been talking here about photos and applique but uh mm-hmm. let's do a little deep dive into what what okay. it takes to really make one of these pieces of art <laughs> well i start um well i'll use the, the example of the last one that I make, I start with just interviewing the person and finding out what it is. Um, well, if it's for someone else, if it's, it's for me, it's a similar process, but if it's for someone else, I start out with interviewing them and talking to, talking to them about what they want in this quilt. Like, is it an, an, a work of art? Are they going to hang it? Um, and usually for memory quilts, it's something sentimental, either a person, a milestone in a person's life, or it could be for a loved one who's passed away. Um, and so that's the first thing is to get an idea of what, what is the, um, the, the subject or what is the, the mood for this quilt. Um, I usually have like a checklist of things I ask. I'm thinking now like colors. Did that person have a particular color that they liked? Um, are we using photos? Um, did they have hobbies? Um, one, one, I made a series of quilts, I think it was four quilts, that I made for a lady. Her father died, and she wanted four small throw quilts for her daughter, her son, so it was the deceased grandchildren, wife, and herself. And so he was a, um, he worked on cars, and so he had a lot of clothing. And so we kept, his, we used some of his clothing, even though that clothing had stains in it, uh, we kept that clothing. And we uh, and I created different squares with with the clothing, and captured um, like T-shirts and different things like that. So when they look at that quilt, they knew that was Papa's quilt. Um, we used some of his neckties, and for his wife, we used a part of her wedding dress. Um, so it, it was it was memories that were deep within them that they would always have um, of their Papa. And it sounds like the personality of the person then came out through these fabrics that they actually wore woven into the quilt. Yes, 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 yes. And I've also done um, celebration of life quilts where a loved one has passed, memorial quilts, uh, as you you would. And so we, you know, we use photos, we use words, you know, all the different names that this person may have been called, mom, aunt, you know, just different things like that. Um, just whatever strikes emotions. Mm-hmm. I go. I'm very passionate, and so I want it to be. Um, I tease people and say, I, I want to see you cry. Uh-huh. Uh, I want. I want that emotion that um, that tells me that I've I've done my job. That you've moved somebody with with one of yeah. the quilts, and has that come to pass? Have Have you yeah. seen people cry in front of these? <laughs> 
Yes, I have. I cry with them. Um, I recently did a quilt for a gentleman who lost both his wife and his daughter. I'm, I'm not sure if it was during, if it was due to COVID, but it was during COVID, mm-hmm. and um, I made a quilt for him. It was mostly photos, and uh, he received it because um, it was he was in Georgia. He received it two days ago, and I got a message from him, and this the surviving son wants one of his own. And so that that made me feel good that um, they, that he wants one of his own because you know the wife and the daughter are gone, so now it's just the son and the father left. I'm going to reintroduce you here, Karen. I'm talking today with Karen Hinton Robinson about how fiber arts can be a tool for representing Black history. She is one of the featured quilters at the upcoming Great Wisconsin Quilt Show on September 7th through 9th at the Alliant Energy Center in Madison. And her exhibit is called Quilted Education Presents a Celebration of Black History. If you have a question for Karen about quilting, If you would like to share a quilting experience or story, please do give us a call at 608-256-2001, extension 9. We'd love to hear from you today. A little later on in the show, we'll be joined by Deanna Springer with Nancy Zeman Productions and Nancy Zeman Sony Sewing Studio in Beaver Dam, who's going to tell us a little bit more about that upcoming quilt show. But I want to come back to you, Karen, and talk a little bit more about uh, what this work feels like and the process of making quilts and what brings you joy in this activity. You talked about people's reactions, but obviously Mm -hmm. these uh, works of art take a lot of time to make. It's uh, not all about the tears and the smiles at the end. What about the process engages you or brings you joy? Um. So, like I said, first I start out with the interview so that we're on the same page, uh, that I'm on the same page with my client as to what they want. And um, usually I, I may have examples of things that I might recommend, but I want them to be um, very much involved in the creative process. And, you know, that varies. Some people just say, here, take this and create whatever you want. But some people um, may be more involved. And um, so it, we take that process and determine whether we want photos or whether we want just fabric. If they have hobbies and there's um, things that I can incorporate, whether it's fabric of, uh, say, a teacher, so I use fabric that may resemble something that an educator would use, or I create create appliques to add to it. Um, I try to incorporate texture so that there's it's just not all fabric. There's something else. Um, and I come up with a design and I use a couple of uh, my primary um, quilting software. I use EQ8. It's a software that helps you design quilts. And I use that for my, I call it my math part of uh, creating the size and space and all of that. And um, just, I, I can't tell, I just go into my zone yeah. <laughs> and uh, come up with ideas. Uh, I, color is important. Um, I I know what would look good, but I also try to incorporate what their um, likes are, incorporating that. Um, One of the things that I always do in the beginning is I tell them I want them to write a short story to themselves or to someone else, whoever would see the quilt. I want you to tell what this quilt is about. So I usually give them six or seven lines, 
and um, there's a way to transfer that story to fabric, and I attach it to the back of the quilt. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that's very important um, for me that I don't think they realize until the end. Um, I make a lot of um, T-shirt quilts as well. Not a lot, but I make some T-shirt quilts. Um, whether it's graduating, I've done breast cancer survivor T-shirts, or I used to be a runner, so I do a lot of runner T-shirts. So it's it's some are theme related. I've done wedding um, quilts before. So you know it it, it varies in how detailed um, the quilt is. Um, one of the quilts that was probably the most um, uh, emotional, I guess, uh, that I got with, uh, that I was able to do was uh, for the city of San Antonio. Um, uh, 15 ladies, I was one of them, that were, we were commissioned to do uh, a work of art on uh, the status of women. It was, 19, it was 2017, I believe. It was a report that had been done by the city on the status of women. It was not very good. Health, wellness, um, addiction, different things like that. And I was the only quilter. Everybody else was an artist, um, um, you know, painter. And because of my background and my medical background, I chose um, health and wellness. And so I sat with that for I don't know how long trying to come up with something. It was so many statistics. It was just a lot of statistics. All of them were bad. And um, so I... I think I think it's on the website. I, I didn't bring it here because it was actually commissioned a piece. I don't have it, but uh, I used um, so for example to tell some of the, some of the statistics. I used the outline, the geographic outline of what my county is. So it looks like a little box with a cloud on it, but that was the shape of it. To share some of the statistics, I made appliques of a sick liver. Um, you know, a sick heart, pregnant woman with a baby in it that was sick, you know, from not getting prenatal care. Um, and then the colors, purple for violence against women uh, and for Alzheimer's, um, pink for breast cancer, purple, I mean, um, red for heart disease, just incorporating that. So looking at that quilt, I had to have almost a ledger to explain all the hidden messages about really what bad shape we're in as far as um, meeting the needs of women. And it was very emotional because a lot of it was bad, bad news. But in this quilt, I was able to point out, you know, we got to get busy. We, gotta, mm-hmm. we have to do something. We have to work on improving the status of women. So that was an, a, an emotional one because naturally I'm a positive person and I wanted to make it positive. But just making it into art was about as positive as I can get. But telling the truth was more important than trying to make it, you know, positive. Ooh, I get emotional thinking about it. But, yeah, but um, it sounds like it was a great art. tool for, or is a great tool for raising awareness as well. Absolutely. Where is that quilt now? It's in San Antonio. Um, let's see. I can't remember the name of the gallery. Um, I can I can give you that, though. Sure, uh, can, but it's being publicly displayed. Yes, 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 yes. And the the exhibit is called the Status of Women, um, Status of Women in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. So you can probably find it that that way. Yeah, and 
in telling us about that quilt, uh, you talked a little bit about the collaboration of, of that um, piece and, and all the different kinds of art that were produced to talk about that issue. And I know you're involved in an African-American quilt circle there in San Antonio as well. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the relationship between quilting and community. And in your experience, has, has quilting helped create community? Absolutely, it has. I was the um, the president and co-founder of the um, African American Circle of San Antonio. Um, I'm no longer as active because I'm doing a lot of other things on my own. But that um, started out of our desire to be included in the um, tricentennial, which is San Antonio's 300-year history. And um, I had attended a couple of meetings about it. They were interested in getting, you know, participation from all races. And that's how that got started. Uh, got with a couple of, uh, four, three other ladies. And we ended up um, starting the quilt circle and having people create quilts that depicted different, um, the contributions of African Americans in San Antonio's history. Um, because, you know, San Antonio is primarily, is, predominantly Hispanic, but um, people of color, uh, African-American people had a lot to do with the history as well. And so we created a series of 23 quilts that um, was included in the tricentennial um, celebration. And that stayed in the Texas Institute of Culture um, Museum for about two years. Um, And that told stories uh, about the different organizations and individuals who uh, participated in San Antonio's 300-year history. And did you work on those quilts with this circle of people? Like, would you sit down and work together? Yes, yes. We yeah. had meetings. Um, mm-hmm. I, the, the person who inspired me, I definitely want to shout out, um, the late Marion Coleman. She was um, uh just an extraordinary quilter who I found online and introduced myself and she became my mentor. Um, and she taught me how to do narrative quilts and that's what these were. Mm-hmm. And so with our circle, we had meetings and we taught the ladies how to make the quilts and some of them had never made quilts before. So that was, that was an amazing thing. So it, it took some time, but we, we created those quilts. And they, the circle is still active and doing things with the community. So let's say there's somebody listening out there who's never done quilts before, but has a real interest in telling community stories this way through uh, fiber arts. Um, is it possible to get into quilting without a mentor like you were just describing? What are some of the ways that people can find their way in, in becoming a quilt storyteller? Oh my goodness! If you can just Google narrative quilts or storytelling uh, quilts, there's things on YouTube. Um, there, w- what I do is when I find some person, a person like initially I followed uh, Marion, and then I just called her, <laughs> and uh, she lived in California at the time, but she uh, was a native of Texas, so we had that connection. But um, I'm not opposed to calling people, um, you know, or not call, email. Um, and get get to know them that way. I I talk to people all the time about quilting. It's just 
um, it's just taking fabric and sewing it, and it's really not difficult. Um, you start out, you know, just you can draw, you can create things uh, with drawing. My daughter is an artist, but she can take fabric and create designs and then sew them on fabric and create a quilt. So I think the thing most people should realize is not hard and don't try to be perfect. Um, start where you are, and um, I, I think I, I document, I write down things that I think I will want to share, um, whether, like, you know, we celebrated my mother's 89th birthday, so taking photos of things that she would want to remember, maybe we'll make a photo quilt. Um, so really, it's just, and it's a great way to teach. Um, when my daughter was I think second grade, uh, her teacher did a section on transportation, different modes of transportation, and the children drew different pictures, you know, whether it was a, a air balloon, a car, a train, or different things, and I just transferred those photos or those drawings to fabric and made a quilt. And I understand she still has that quilt. A mutual friend told me she still had that quilt. Um, you can draw. You can draw on fabric with fabric crayons. You can draw a picture of yourself, your child. Um, I did one quilt, another one that tears me up. Um, my nurse practitioner at the time, her husband's mother had Alzheimer's, but she had been an artist. And so we, she bought um, the adult crayon, the adult coloring book, and had her color some pictures. And I transferred that to fabric and made her a quilt. And the thing that was so interesting about it was when she was coloring, she colored perfect. But if you gave her a piece of paper, it was, you know, her mind was, you could tell, you know, she had Alzheimer's. But when she was drawing, it was perfect because that was her job. She had been an artist. So I made a quilt of some of her um, drawings, some of her artwork for her, for her, for my nurse practitioner's husband, which was, who was the, the son. Karen, I'm enjoying listening to your stories so much. Uh, it really is a great uh, testimony to how quilts can be testimonials to people's experiences, it sounds like. Um, we have about 10 minutes left here, and I want to bring in our other guests today and remind listeners that you're listening to A Public Affair on WRT 89.9 FM. I'm Douglas Haynes, and I'm talking today with one of the contributors to the upcoming Great Wisconsin Quilt Show, Karen Hinton-Robinson. And I'm going to bring in here Deanna Springer, who's Vice President of Marketing at Nancy Zeman Productions, a presenting partner of the Great Wisconsin Quilt Show with PBS Wisconsin. And Deanna is also the operator of Nancy Zeman's Sewing Studio in Beaver Dam. If We do have time for calls still. If you want to give us a call, at 608-256-2001, extension 9. But I'm going to extend to you a warm welcome to a public affair now, Deanna Springer. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you, Douglas. It's a pleasure being here. And hello, Karen. Hi, how are you? Wonderful. We're looking forward to seeing you at the Great Wisconsin Quilt Show as, as long as well as your quilt. I can't wait. Yeah, it's so exciting. You're going to be coming here to Madison, Karen. Um, 
So Deanna, thanks again for joining us. Tell us about your connection with Karen and how you decided to include her work in this year's show. The connection came from uh, PBS Wisconsin, actually. Uh, Karen's work was featured on a special public television uh, video. So that was forwarded to me from uh, Kristen Korvac at PBS Wisconsin, who is our partner in producing the Great Wisconsin Quilt Show. So uh, immediately I followed up with Karen, um, and we had a delightful conversation. We always, always, of course, talk about Nancy whenever we have a great Wisconsin quilt show and a quilter. We just always have uh, fond memories of Nancy. So Karen and I connected right away. For listeners who, who might not be familiar with Sewing with Nancy, tell us a little bit. We mentioned earlier in the show about uh, the PBS show Sewing with Nancy, uh, this legacy of uh, Nancy Zeman in Wisconsin and the wider world of the fiber arts. Um, I'll, I'll go turn to you first, Deanna, and then I'll have uh, Karen tell us a little bit more about Nancy. Well, Nancy is the founder of our company, Nancy Zeman Productions, and she had a previous company that she started in 1979 called Nancy's Notions. And she was a freelance um, educator, sewing educator. She graduated from Stout. uh, UW Stout. UW Stout, excuse me, yes. And she had two uh, degrees, one in journalism and another one in home economics. So it was a natural um, progression for her to become a sewing teacher, especially after she was in 4-H as a child. She started in 4-H when she was 10 years old. And for people that don't know who Nancy is, um, she was born and raised in the Oshkosh area in Wisconsin on a farm, grew up on a farm. And when she was 14 months old, she had a a terrible ear infection and had permanent uh, nerve damage in her face, which we we call now Bell's palsy. So she grew up quite shy, but her mother encouraged her, and her mother became her 4-H educator. And really, uh, Nancy learned how to demonstrate and teach through 4-H. And she knew um, in college that it would be her destiny to teach um, sewing. So in 1982, 1982, she started the Sewing with Nancy television show. So uh, this year, she's on a television for... 40 years. We're celebrating 40 years of sewing with Nancy. And unfortunately, we lost Nancy uh, to cancer in 2017. Um, So we're carrying on her legacy through the work we're doing uh, with the Great Wisconsin Quilt Show. It was a gift from Nancy to PBS Wisconsin. It's a great idea of uh, taking a consumer show and making uh, it a unique fundraiser. So the Great Wisconsin Quilt Show is a fundraiser for public television, and it really meets our education of outreach, and it uh, helps provide quality programming on Wisconsin public television, which which we now know as PBS Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And uh, Karen, I'll bring you back in. What uh, impact did Nancy Zeman and Sewing with Nancy show have on you, if you were to sort of put in a nutshell, uh, how she shaped and that program shaped your life as a fiber artist? Well, <clears throat> you have to remember that was before um, the Internet. So Nancy was both my YouTube, my TikTok, my Instagram, uh, you know, everything as far as teaching techniques because um, in books you could, you could, you know, they could take a photo of it and tell you, but, but sometimes it was hard to put it together. 
but was wa- watching Nancy's show, and she always had great techniques, or she would have guests that would have great techniques, and you could actually watch it being done. And that just, that you know, that turned the page for me. That made the, the world of difference. And uh, Deanna, tell us a little bit more about what attendees at the Great Wisconsin Quilt Show can expect there. Obviously, they're going to encounter Quilted Education Presents a Celebration of Black History, Karen's exhibit. Um, What else can they find there? The Great Wisconsin Quilt Show is really an annual gathering of of all people that, that love to quilt and love quilts. You don't have to be a quilt maker to attend the Great Wisconsin Quilt Show. Um, quilt making is truly an an art form. And within the central quilt exhibit, the center of our show, we have a 10-category juried and judged show. So you'll see everything in there from hand-quilted bed-sized quilts to uh, wall-sized art quilts. There's there's nearly 300 quilts in that central quilt exhibit that were entered into the competition. And they were only accepted to hang through the jury process that happens in July. So all of those have been pre-juried into the show. People know they're competing for cash prizes. You know, $1,500 is best of show, and there's different uh, category prizes in each show. Plus, you know, there's a ribbon, too, award-winning ribbon to hang with your quilts. And really, the central quilts go on uh, and travel to different shows. The quilt maker may enter them into several different shows um, throughout the the nation, and, and there's even some international shows, too. So in addition to those that central quilt exhibit, we also have several special quilt exhibits, which you've already been talking about, Karen's wonderful exhibit. And we're also celebrating Claudine Hansen with a Lifetime Legacy quilt exhibit. Claudine uh, passed away in April of 2023, so just a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And Claudine Hansen um, is a quilt maker that lived in some prairie, but she was also known uh, nationally and internationally. She's really the the modern-day quilt show creator. She created the, uh, the Sun Prairie Quilt Show 40-some years ago and also worked with the people in Paducah, Kentucky for the American Quilter Society Quilt Show 40 years ago. And then as soon as we knew we were doing the Great Wisconsin Quilt Show in Madison, we reached out to our friend Claudine and invited her to be part of the committee to uh, advise us and make sure we do the quilt show just right. So Claudine worked with us for 18 years, each year of the quilt show. This is our 19th year. So you'll see uh, for the first time a special quilt exhibit featuring 20-plus quilts made by Claudine. And many of her students will recognize the project, the quilts, because they were the quilts that she used to teach the classes she taught. She taught workshops at the Great Wisconsin Quilt Show. So... It will be an impressive exhibit of all of Claudine, Claudine's quilts together. And there's also additional special exhibits coming in nationally. Um, we have Only Bold Colors, which is a Kay Simons exhibit, and Marquetta B. Quilting. Uh, we'll have quilts there. We'll have vintage travel posters by the Threadbenders. That's a quilt guild here in Wisconsin. We have seed savers exchanged by the Northeast. Iowa Quilters Guild. That will be a really unique uh, exhibit because they each went through the Seed Savers catalog and picked a seed packet and then made a quilt to represent that. So um, each quilt exhibit will be, uh, there will be a poster within the exhibit so you can read what 
crafted, you know, how these quilt exhibits were created. And if, uh, many of them are from a quilt challenge. So the quilt guild and including PBS Wisconsin and Nancy Zeman Productions, we put out different challenges a year, you know, a year ago uh, to make a quilt. So it's fun to read the posters and then look at all the different quilts and see the common themes within the posters. We also have the graffiti challenge by Cherrywood Fabrics coming in from Minnesota. So it's a, a theme, um, they had to use, you know, four or five certain fabrics and everyone had to make a quilt in graffiti style. Think wow. painting on the side of train cars. They are exquisite quilts and they're all about 20 inches square. That sounds like so much great stuff going on. Um, Karen, will you also be interacting with the public or giving a presentation at all? Um, I, I'm, I'm imagining I'll be there standing near the quilt. Yep. So I'm, I'm welcome to have conversations. Yeah. yeah. Great. Well, I learned so much talking to you both this hour and have uh, an even deeper appreciation for um, the work of quilters, folk arts, and the cultural work that quilting can do. Thank you so much for being with us, both of you, today. You've been listening to A Public Affair. I'm your Monday host, Douglas Haynes, and I've been talking with quilter Karen Hinton-Robinson. Thanks so much for being with us, Karen. It was my pleasure. And we've also been joined by Deanna Springer of Nancy Zeman Productions. Thanks so much for coming on, Deanna. You're so very welcome. We'll see you at the Great Wisconsin Quilt Show. And you've been listening to A Public Affair here at WRT 89.9 FM Madison. Stay tuned for Madison Book Beat. Today, Cole Erickson talks with Deshaun McKenney about his book of poems, Father, Forgive Me. I want to give a shout out also as well to today's engineer, Andrew Thomas, producer Jade Isiri Ramos, and news director, Shali Pittman. See you next time on A Public Affair. With information that would never be reported Disregard the mainstream media disported We come and listen and support it Live and direct we come and never be reported